Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week. Uh, we have filmed uh, over the last several weeks over four programs on the book of Joshua with my oldest son, Pastor Jeremy Hiles, and uh, he is he's pastor of Word That Frees, Winchester, Virginia. And uh, you can watch their live stream right now. They're still doing a lot of stuff through the live stream uh, on Sunday mornings by going to their Facebook page. I think it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, Word That Freeze. Yep. Uh, uh, and you can watch them on the live stream. But we've been uh, having so much response to this first four uh, programs that we did on Joshua that we, on the way to the TV studio this morning, decided to come back and talk some more about that. So in order to launch that, I'm going to read a verse from Joshua 1. Uh, It says, verse number 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, and every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give in upon I have given you, as I said to Moses. The book of Joshua, to me, is a powerful picture of the transition from law to grace, Mm -hmm. because Moses, my servant, is dead, old covenant, the giver of the law. Joshua is now on the scene. Joshua's name, Yeshua, is the Hebrew name Jesus. So Moses brought them out with a rod, Joshua's going to bring them in with a mercy seat. And I think these are incredibly powerful pictures of how the transition from an old covenant to a new covenant ought to be, and a possession, not just a coming out mentality. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about, you know, the last couple of weeks, a little bit about the book of Joshua and possessing your possessions. But, it, you know, there's a lot of people that have come out, but it's not just time to come out, it's time to go in. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I, I've said consistently on this program, Jeremy, has been Egypt in my thinking has shifted, what I think Egypt is. Mm -hmm. Because Revelation, the 11th chapter, verse number 8 says, concerning the two witnesses, which I believe are types and shadows of Moses and Elijah, the law Mm -hmm. again. He says in Revelation 11, verse 8, and their dead bodies, the bodies of the two witnesses, will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. Well, our Lord was not crucified in Sodom or Egypt. Our Lord was crucified in Jerusalem, the centerpiece of Old Covenant Judaism. So when I see an exodus, and there's this exodus paradigm all the way through the scriptures, and I know we talked about this a little bit, so I won't cover too much Mm -hmm. and let you talk about it a little bit, Uh, even as the opening remarks of Matthew and John the Baptist is there is this coming up out of the River Jordan Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days, children of Israel spent 40 years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in other words, it's the launching of possessing their possessions mm-hmm. because now Joshua, you know, is on the scene, John the Baptist, a type of, of Elijah, mm-hmm. because Jesus said, you know, they said, well, and Elijah must first come. He said, John the Baptist is Elijah, if you can hear it. So he's the last of the old covenant. And the transition was into a new covenant paradigm. So they're coming out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that we uh, we still have, it's a tragedy to me that we're still having to deal with people coming mm-hmm. to get them convinced 
that Moses is dead because they want to keep on... Res no wonder the devil fought for the body of Moses. He wants to resurrect the law and legalism and put people back up under law. And as a result, you know, uh, I think people uh, still cannot seem to make that transition from law into grace, but better than Moses is on the scene. Joshua is now on the scene and it's time to possess our possessions. I hope that introduces it up. Sure. Jump in there, say a few things. Uh, you know, you look at these patterns of scripture all through. Uh, you know, the old covenant or the Old Testament scriptures were given to us as types and shadows, so that they would testify of all those things that were yeah, to come yeah, as yeah. well. And so you think about Jesus gets up and Matthew, I believe it's the twenty-fourth chapter, and says, "This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled." Yeah. You know, so they come out of again. You're talking about the the picture of Egypt being a picture of that. Yep. Old Covenant Israel, they come out of Egypt. They spend forty years in the wilderness, yep. and that you know, and all the different things that they go through there. And then Joshua is the one that brings them in to the forty years later. It's Joshua that brings them into the Promised Land, into the fullness of houses they did not build, vineyards they did not plant. Same thing that happened. Uh, the way that we teach things uh, from the historical fulfillment of Matthew twenty-four is that. Uh, from that that generation that Jesus spoke to in Matthew 24 did not pass till all those things yep. they let, saw let them fulfilled. Let me fulfilled. say this to help you hang it on something, because Jesus gives that prophecy mm -hmm. concerning yes. the temple, and sure, he sure. gives it in 30 AD. The destruction that he prophesied came in 70 AD. It's an exact 40-year parallel. Mm -hmm. And to hang that on something scripturally, 1 Corinthians 10 says, for all of these things that happened to them under Moses happened to them as examples for us, not us, but them mm -hmm. in the first century, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Yep. So the end of the ages was the end of the old covenant age and the uh, front end of the new covenant age. And there's a 40-year transition gap period where they're coming out of law. I mean, at the cross, mm -hmm. Jesus completely paid everything the law required, but it took them 40 years to kind of try to come into their promised land, and many of them still did not. They died in the wilderness yep. still again. But uh, just that gives it something to hang on, that, that that 40 years is a perfect picture parallel of this book of Joshua. Go ahead. You know, well, again, even patterns of Scripture is that uh, you'd say he talks about that he's going to uh, raise up the tabernacle of David again. Yep. Uh, when when you look at the pattern of Scripture in David, there was a, uh, the ark, there was a temple that was in Israel. Yep. But there's no ark there. There's no presence right. of the Lord there. They're going through all the sacrifices, doing all the rituals, but the presence of the Lord is there. Instead, it's up on a tent, in you Mount know, Zion. in Mount Zion that's open for everyone to see. Yep. And it's showing again that that pattern of scripture and that was happening in that 40 year transition is that there was a there was a literal tabernacle set down here, and they're going through all the rituals and all the actions, but there's no presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord had left, yep. and that now the tabernacle of Moses that everyone could see is really was the, the new covenant Christ who had come to live inside of us, yep. you know, and, and the, the receiving of the Holy Spirit in which we were made one with him, just as, you know, he said in, in John, he would say, uh, Father, make them one even as we are one. And he says, you mean me and my father, we're going to take up our abode in you. And, and you know, so he's showing them the pattern of this 40-year this forty year uh, transition from law to grace and, or from old covenant to new covenant. Yeah, and actually and, even Acts 15 is the scripture to hang that on because mm -hmm. when they had the big Jerusalem council and the Gentiles included, they stood up and mm -hmm. said, to this agree the words of the prophets, mm -hmm. that I will return again and build the tabernacle of David. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that David's reign was also 40 years long. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess, so and then the debate is, do we keep, do we put these Gentiles back under law to which we agreed that we couldn't keep it ourselves? Why well, put them back under it? You yep. know, so. And so, you know, when I, when I began to approach this, uh, this study on the book of Joshua, I began to approach it from that, you know, and not just, just the, uh, the 40 year, that 40 year transition of them being in the wilderness was over. And now they were crossing this Jordan. They were entering into the land that God had promised them and said, I'm going to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to give you houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant. There are, there are, uh, inhabitants in the land, but I'm going to drive them out from before you. And, 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 you know, you just keep my, keep my words. And under that, you know, in those days under the Old Testament, his words, his commandment was the, was the law. But uh, in the New Testament, his word is Christ. He was the word made flesh. And so we keep the word, not by just keeping the law, but we keep the word by Christ being in us. He is the word made flesh and dwelling amongst us. And so that is the word, that is the commandment that we keep. Uh, you know, even Jesus would say a new commandment I give you, but it's not really a new commandment. It's that you love one another, even as I have loved you. And so he's, you know, so when you approach these Old Covenant or these Old Testament scriptures, you have to approach them sometimes with some new, te- some new covenant understanding. And so yeah. I made this, so I began the transition. But I, lo- I want to just read something real quick here because I, I talked about when Joshua brought them over in Joshua chapter uh, one, he begins to say, you know, we're going to prepare our victuals. We're going to go over this Jordan. They crossed the Jordan in chapter three. And they're crossing it, you know, from chapter three to chapter four. They're they're in the middle of crossing this Jordan into their promised land. And uh, I, I want to show here a transition as well that in Luke chapter three, and verse, uh, I'm going to just start verse two. It says, "And Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of the Lord came unto John the son of Zacharias in the wilderness, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins." And as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Uh, every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the ax is laid to the root of the tree and the trees and every tree which uh, bringeth forth not fruit is hewn down, cast in the fire. And the people asked him saying, what shall we do then? He answered and said unto them that, uh, that he hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. He that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also the publicans to be baptized, and he said unto them, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact, uh, exact no more than which is appointed unto you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do, vi- do uh, violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. And as the people and expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he was Christ or not. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I come, and the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to unlo- unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. He shall thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff will he burn with a fire unquenchable, and many other things in his exhortation preached unto the people. Uh, but Harry, to tear it to your, uh, 
being reproved by him. Uh, let me skip down. It says that, um, verse 21, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and prayed, and the heavens were opened. The Holy Ghost descended on, descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and the voice came from heaven, which says, Thou art my beloved Son, and who I am well pleased. And I was saying, all I read all that, is that whenever they, uh, Joshua chapter 4, when they crossed the river Jordan, the priest's feet hit the water, and the waters rolled back. We talked about some of this in, in earlier programming, uh, about how the waters receded clear back to the city of Adam. But it was as long as the priests that were... That's significant, the city of Adam. I, I mean, that's a powerful point. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think we talked a good bit about that when we were when we talked about that. But I, I, it was as long as the priests that were bearing the ark, and the ark is a picture of Christ mm -hmm. as well, but uh, he said that that they stood still in there, and that Joshua uh, commanded the, the each uh, uh, commanded the, the the chiefs of every tribe, every man. So there was twelve people that came into the waters. He said, "I want you to take a stone from the midst of this Jordan and carry it on your shoulder, and I want you to set up a monument because one day your children are going to ask what mean these stones, and you're going to tell them." It is that the Lord drove back the waters of this Jordan for us to bring us across on dry land into this promised land. So one day your children are going to ask, what mean these stones? And I believe that it's just as John was in the River Jordan baptizing, he was probably in that same location okay. yeah. uh, that the Jordan was rolled back. And so yeah. when he would say something like, uh, God is able of these stones, to, to raise up children of Abraham. Would probably, he probably was not just talking about random stones. Right. He was probably talking about this monument that one day your children are going to ask, what mean these stones? And it's that the God rolled back these waters, clear back to the city of Adam to bring you across on dry land. But John is, is when John is in this river Jordan, he's baptizing. He gets into this exhortation of like everything that is judgment. He begins to talk from a judgmental point of view. Everything you have to do, what do we have to do? The publicans ask, what do we have to do? Well, you gotta don't exact you don't take too much from everybody. What does a soldier gotta do? Well, don't kill nobody, don't do no violence, you know, and, and it's things that, you know, how do you say to a soldier, what do we gotta do to be saved? Well, don't do no violence. Well, you know, it's like so everything he's giving them, he's giving them from the law perspective. Because it's the one thing they can't do. Yep. Jesus doesn't come into the Jordan and ask John, what do I got to do? Yeah. Jesus comes down and he's baptized. And when he's baptized, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. Why is that? And you're, you're, you are way better at probably explaining that than I am. But John is the last, uh, old the last of the Old Covenant prophets. He's a picture of the last Old Covenant prophets. He's also the son of a high priest. And so he is really a picture of also the priests that are bearing the ark again, once again in the River Jordan. Jesus is the ark. And he is the ark. Now, John, uh, Joshua chapter 4, and let me, I believe it's verse, uh, let me get my notes so I know, I, I'll say it right. Joshua chapter 4, verse 14, after they had taken those rocks and set up the monument and taken it out of the River Jordan, it says in verse 14, on that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come out out of the midst of Jordan, 
And the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up into the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned into their place and flowed over all the banks as they did before. And the people came out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal on the east of Jordan. Now, what's significant to me is that uh, the same pattern picture, and I hope I'm making this sense. When they, when, they, when they left Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, God delivered them by opening the Red Sea. They crossed onto dry land. When they got to the other side, God also swallowed up their enemies in that, in that Red Sea. He, he destroyed the whole Egyptian army in that Red Sea. But it was also closed up the way that they could never go back into Egypt. When that Red Sea closed back, rolled back over, they, yep. it cut off their, their route to go back. Yep. And so that's why when they were in the wilderness, they would say things. Why did you bring us out here? At least back in Egypt, we had leeks and garlics. We had all these stuff. They kept remembering their bondage, but they didn't remember the, hor- the horrible things of their bondage. But yep. God had cut off their it's way like to the go back. the good old days, it wasn't so good. But if there would have been a way to go back, they would have went. went back. God cut off their way to go back. Whenever they come across this Jordan, God opens again for them a way out of this wilderness, brings them into their inheritance. And as long as the priest's feet were in there, it was dry. And they walked out and they took those stones and they set up a stone monument because one day your children are going to ask, what means these stones? But when the priests were lifted up out of that ark, it says, I love how it says, and Joshua was was uh, exalted in the eyes of the people, just as Moses was. And they feared him just like they feared Moses because there's a transition happening. They get over there, and again, once the priests that bear the ark get out of that Jordan, the waters go back to the way they were, and it overflows their banks at this time. So it was not just the regular river. It was an overflowing river. Uh, but he's cutting off their way to go back to the wilderness again. He's That's cutting right. off their way to go yeah. back he's to— making it hard to backslide. Yeah, you can't go back to this, this old way. of We've now brought you into a new covenant. There's no way to go back, or at least not an easy way. Yeah. And so he brings them up, and so I, whenever I look at even the pattern of, here's John the Baptist in the River Jordan, and he's baptizing people, and he's giving the whole exhortation, and he's giving them the words of the law. You know, this is what you got to do. You're a generation of vipers. You're, you know, and he's just giving them the law because he's the he's a picture of the last old covenant uh, prophets, the last of the old covenant priests, and he's bearing now the ark, the true ark of God, which is Jesus, into this River Jordan baptizes him, and now the transition happens because when the, when the Spirit descends upon Jesus as a dove, John begins to decrease. His ministry begins to decrease. Matter of fact, he begins to be taken into prison at that time, and Jesus' ministry begins to increase. Yeah. Because, and just as it did here in Joshua chapter 4, it says, and then Joshua was, I, they, he was, uh, he was uh, feared in their eyes just as they feared Moses. He was exalted in the eyes of the people. They magnified Joshua in that day. Just as Moses began to fade off the scene, now Joshua's leading them in to the promised land. It's the same thing that's happening when John says, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Israel. He's pointing to a day when John would be in these that river Jordan and standing beside those stones, and his children in that day are saying, what means these stones? What means this baptism? What means what's happening right here in this transition? What does this mean? This is where God cut off the waters of this Jordan and brought you into your promised land. Jesus, the waters of Jordan were being cut off to the city of Adam again, once again in Christ. And God was, Jesus was bringing them into their promised land. Jesus comes and his ministry doesn't start with fire. You know, John is saying, you know, he's got a, he's got a fan in his hand. He's going to thoroughly purge his floor. He's got, and he's talking all the judgment 
of the Christ that would come. But when Jesus begins his ministry, he doesn't start with the judgment. Yeah. He starts with a bring, you know, uh, it's the year of the favor of our God. This is the year of favor. Uh, suffer not the little children that come unto me. Yeah. You know, uh, when when a woman is at his feet caught in adultery, he doesn't. He said, "Woman, I, I neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more." The woman that has the alabaster box, and they're they're condemning her because that could have been given to the poor. And you see, you don't know what's happening here. You don't understand the level of worship that's happening in this moment. Yeah. Everything Jesus does is not from a level of judgment and fire and brimstone. He's coming to at first to bring them the grace and favor. He's wanting to bring them into a promised land and said, I want to bring you into houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant. I want to give you this promised land. That's my. That was really the heart of yeah. Jesus was to bring people into the promised land. And if he could have spared them the judgment of their unbelief, he would have. But because of unbelief, because yeah. of their unbelief, they brought the judgment upon themselves. You would have thought that with that, if you was a young Jewish person standing there seeing this Jordan River and a priest carrying the Ark Jesus into the river, you'd have thought it would have dawned on them. This this is another time to cross over. Yep. I mean, you'd have thought they'd have got the picture. But I mean, what a powerful picture! Go ahead. I just wanted to just say how 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 powerful of a picture that had to be that they would see that that priest carrying an Ark. In the Jordan, perhaps right beside the these way, stones, right beside the stones, <laughs> and then, then, then John even saying, you know, uh, behold, the one the that I'm God. about to baptize, I'm not worthy to lose his shoes. So Moses is fading, and God is exalting. Mm -hmm. And even John, even John declares, when now that happens, when the when the when the presence of the Lord descends upon him like a dove, he says, "Behold, ladies and gentlemen, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world." He is bringing them. He's showing them right at that spot. In front of these stones, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You're going to tell them this is where God cut off the waters and brought us into our inheritance. Yep. Here's, once again, a priest bearing an ark. The waters of are being cut off, and there's a priest bearing an ark. and yep. says, here's what these stones mean. Yep. We're bringing you into a promised land again, but this one is not just a piece of real estate. This is the true inheritance of where God really is bringing you salvation, is able to bring you true salvation. He's able to save you, not by laws written on rocks, not by your works of if you're a soldier, don't kill nobody. If you're a publican, don't take too much money. If you're this or that, here's the rules. All of a sudden, here's Jesus who is the salvation. If you believe on him, yep. you shall not perish. Yep. But what happened is, and they're, but the unbelief, they did not believe on him. And so the perishing did come to them, yep. just like it would come to the cities in in the book of Joshua, yeah. the, from the Jericho to Ai to the different cities that were destroyed because they refused to receive the inheritance that was given to the to the true sons of Abraham. Yep. You know, and so there was a whole transition here. And I think, you know, the patterns of scripture to me are always amazing I when you it. begin to see it from uh, the the eyes of a new covenant, begin to hear it with ears of, of the spirit. You know, it's like yep. everything just begins to, you know, I, I say all the time, it used to feel like the Bible was on an island by itself. You know, it's just this book that we believe and it doesn't really fit anywhere, you know, to, to history. It's just, it's just a Christian book. But when you see the patterns of all these things and it's not just, it, it it's historically seen in history books, yeah. how this stuff fits together and how it's, it was literally happening at this time. To me, uh, that's the stuff that makes me go, this isn't just this isn't just a religious book. This really is. Like when Christ said this, you know, he says to Abraham, through you all nations of the world are going to be blessed. You know, so many times as Christians, we're looking for the destruction of the nations. And that's really not 
that should not be the heart of new covenant people. Yep. Our new covenant, as new covenant believers, we are the children of Abraham. We are for the blessings yep. of the nation. Through, uh, through your seed, all and the to nations. Be a blessing, and yeah. to be a blessing. Yes, nations bless us, but we be a blessing to the nations because we, we have something that should not just bring destruction, another uh, judgment like, here's John again, he's preaching the judgment that's coming, but Jesus gets up. And he begins to declare the favor of our Lord. He begins to say, suffer the little children to come to me. He begins to give people some love. He begins to take people that were uh, not the, the cream of the crop and began to break them the cream of the crop. He took fishermen and publicans. He took sinners and he made them disciples. And they began to be the people that changed the world. How much more now as believers and, and with the power of the Holy Ghost dwelling inside of us, should we be, you know, I was just talking to somebody today of how divided the world is and how there's just such a divide and almost like a hatred for different sides of different, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is that we disagree on. It's like a hatred for the other side where we can't even listen any longer. We're to be peacemakers. And it's, you know, sometimes it's even the Christians that are in the midst of that, that, that hatred and that division, instead of being the ones that are the peacemakers and bringing it together, somewhere we have to have a different voice and we have to begin to speak with the tongues of men and of angels and began to bring some, some unity back into some stuff and began to change the world. We're to be the peacemakers. We're to be the, the, the example of who Christ is in the earth. And so when I began to see this transition and I began to see how Joshua brought them into the promised land, it makes me, as a son of God, want to go, I want to bring some people into a promised yeah. land. I'm tired of seeing people destroyed. I'm tired of lives being destroyed. Yeah. I want to bring people into houses they did not build, vineyards they did not plant. And I want them to see and taste of this land that is flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, and you know, the, the reality of it is, is that even when you look at the patterns, again, such powerful, again, we can hang it on 1 Corinthians 10. All of these things happen to them as examples yep. for that generation. And, and all of us, as far as that goes, but it was written, first of all, to the church at Corinth. He said, all of these things happen under Moses as an example for us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. It was the end of the old covenant age and the beginning of the New Covenant Age in that transition period in there. But interestingly enough, too, see, when Jesus comes up out of the Jordan River, having been baptized by John, he shows another powerful pattern. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days. Children of Israel did it for 40 years. It's kind of like God was saying, listen, you could have, well, even when God brought them out of Egypt, they could have went straight into the Promised Land within a short journey, probably 40 days into the Promised Land. But when Jesus, you know, when the children of Israel, you know, come up out of, of the waters of, of the Jordan, I'm not the Jordan, the Red Sea, God gave them the law. When Jesus comes up out of the River Jordan, he gives them the Beatitudes. What's the difference? Well, the Beatitudes are attitudes that we need to be in. They are attitudes that teach us how to receive the kingdom. They're attitudes that teach us how to release the kingdom. And they are, uh, you know, things that we, you know, uh, so he gives the beatitude, which is the constitution of the kingdom. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're about ready to run out of time. Mm -hmm. Let me just say quickly, I have a book called From the Law to Grace. It's got some of this stuff in it. You can just go online and get it or at our website. But we're about to run out of time. We're going to come back and do this again. But if you'd like to sow into the ministry to help us stay on the air, there'll be a link comes up where you can give via the web. You can go online and give that way, or you can call the number on the screen. Someone will take your call, or you can send a check or money order to the address that will come on the screen, and it helps us to be able to take the gospel around the world. Thank you for joining us. Join us again next week. 
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.